Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to OK Productive, podcast where we banter about simple, practical productivity tips. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So next time you're on there, make sure to look us up. Today, we are interviewing Christian Jenko. Hey, Christian. Thanks for coming on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'll give you my whole life story. I was supposed to be a doctor. That was like the plan from when I was homeschooled, before high school, like through high school and in college. So in college, I majored in kind of like a pre-medical specialization, getting ready for medical school. But also I got to sneak computer science in there. And I found out that I just loved computer science. I loved coding. And in my spare time, I would like make all these little projects and publish them. I made a like a textbook search engine and a tool to send myself homework files from the school computers. Or uh, I did a, a performing art piece where I played piano by eating different foods and eating pineapples. And <laughs> That sounds awesome. There's a video on my website. You should check it out. All right, I will. We'll link to it in the show notes. Good. <laughs> so in college, I was kind of trying to figure myself out and figure out how to be an adult. And I stumbled on two people that ended up being really influential to the, the path that I ended up on. The first was Mr. Money Mustache. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. He has this early retirement blog. He basically says that you can retire on 25 times your annual expenses. So if you look at that formula, your expenses are a function of how much you're spending, but to save that, it's how much you're making. So the way that you can move that date forward, the way that you can retire earlier, is either by making more, kind of obviously, or by spending less. And spending less is the, the way that magnifies the effect that you'll have. So I got really excited about that and, and set this goal of that I was going to retire early. And also found Patrick McKinsey, the second influential person I found in college. And Patrick McKinsey made this website at the time called Bingo Card Creator. And he had been able to quit his job by just making this website, making this little program that generated bingo cards. And I thought, man, I could do that. Like, I'd love to be able to combine these somehow. Maybe while I'm a doctor, I could kind of have a side project. And then that could be the thing that I do after retirement, kind of planning out this 20-year this career plan. So I graduated college and I got into med school. And I had this opportunity to work for a year with a medical technology startup, which was cool. That was kind of like combining both my interests. And it fell through really quickly, which gave me kind of an accidental gap year to do whatever I wanted. So I was doing some freelance work just to make a little money to, to survive and save for, for this Mr. Money Mustache financial retirement. But I was basically just playing with technologies that I thought were cool. I, I played with Bitcoin and Makey Makey stuff and Arduinos. And I found out about the Stripe API. And for anyone who doesn't know that the Stripe API is a way that with code, you can charge someone's credit cards, which I just thought was the coolest thing ever from a technology standpoint, that you could charge someone's credit card with code. So I was thinking, what could I do with this? What's a project I could add this to? So I had had a bunch of people that had emailed me asking for new features on my homework file sending tool, which I thought was kind of weird. But I thought, okay, great, there's some users, so I can implement these features and then charge them and say, ah, I'll be a little sneaky. If you want these new features that I've already made, you have to pay me money. So I had no idea what to charge. I just picked a number. I was thinking, ah, $30 a year. That's, that's <laughs> a number that I could charge someone. And the first day, I didn't send out any emails. I didn't do any kind of marketing. I didn't know how to do advertising. The first day that I just pushed this code, I had 10 people sign up for the $30 a year plan. And I thought, wow, that's, I made $300 today on basically no work. I did all the work of coding, but that, that wasn't really work. That was just having fun and playing with the Stripe API. Okay, well, that was a fluke. That's obviously not going to happen again. Next day, same thing. Another 10 people. Next day, same thing. This goes on for a month. And I do the math and realize, oh, I don't need to be a doctor. This, this can be the way I've kind of already hit the Mr. Money Mustache early retirement because I've built this machine. I don't understand it. I don't know how it's working, but I've somehow built this machine that's making me enough money that I can be living out this early retirement right now, less than a year out of college. I think I was 22 at the time. That kind of brought me to now. I've been trying to figure out that machine and I've been trying to figure out how to be better at personal productivity and how to be a better human since then. But that's kind of brings you up to who I am right now. All right. And it sounds like that is also an avenue in which you and Leo had eventually met. 
Yeah, we met at the MicroConf conference, which I started going originally because I just really wanted to meet Patrick McKenzie. I wanted to say, hey, you're the guy who got me here and (laughs) you were the inspiration for me to figure out the Stripe API and figure out this kind of business thing. So thank you so much. I also appreciate you name dropping Patrick McKenzie because I don't know how many times I've thought of that bingo card creator just from (laughs) like different events and things going on in life. I think it's the perfect example of software product because it's so simple. And it's if you had tried to tell me, oh, you could make this tool that's so simple that makes bingo cards and it can make money, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, there's no way that you could do that. But that's kind of the fault of thinking about things from a software perspective is you kind of assume that things that are easy for you to make are also easy for other people. For a teacher who's kind of the target person for this product, making a bingo card is really hard. You have to like the the amount of hours of work that that would take to do that by hand is just astronomical. You'd have to like go in and make a template and cut and paste things and it would just be horrible. So I think it's the perfect product to illustrate this point of thinking of products, not in terms of how hard they are for you to make or how hard you think they would be for a person who had your similar skill set, but to really think about this is the value that I'm providing someone with this tool. So I love using that as an example. Nice. So We've met at MicroConf. It was my third time this year, and I don't know how many times you've gone, but one of the things, it seems like you're really organized. You're really good at like keeping a task list. You do the notes, which people absolutely rave about, and it sounds like you've got a lot of things going on right now. First of all, what's your day-to-day tasks right now or jobs or hats that you wear, and how do you keep all that stuff organized? <laughs> That's really cool to hear you describe me as organized. I feel like I've gotten to this point by failing a lot and being very disorganized most of the time. (laughs) I feel like as a person, I have had to build up systems to become more productive and more organized as a person because if I don't, everything just falls to pieces. So the position I'm in right now is kind of like propped up by (laughs) past failures that I've had and building up systems to work. In a typical day, and this is a process that's constantly getting refined, so it, it changes month to month. But right now, it's working really, really well. I wake up and I have this pre-populated list of the most important things to get done that day. And what's usually on that list is a single main task to be working on, a single main work task, which is for File Inbox, my main product. And that's broken down by the physical steps I need to do. So I wake up and I have this list that's just like delicious. It's, It's all these really easy, really quick wins that I can do. It's very simple to go to the next thing. And I know that that's the most important thing to work on. And mixed into that, I have a list of if I'm feeling tired or distracted, I have a list of healthy snacks to work on. I'll kind of notice in myself that I feel like my attention span's getting shorter or I'm feeling a little more manic or, or aggravated. So I have a list of like things to go to when I feel that way. And those are things like going out for a run. I have a daily checklist that's doing at least one push-up, which is so easy. It's so easy to do one push-up. You just go to the, you do one. And then while you're down there, you might as well do 20. And getting at least 2,000 IUs of vitamin D from the sun, which has been drastically improving my, my mood and sleep. And then mentally healthy stuff like meditating and journaling is all on this list. And I do some minimum administrative stuff every day. So that's things like getting to inbox zero on my personal and customer support emails. And depending on the day, I might have some scheduled stuff like today is a really good day. I get to talk on a podcast. That's really fun. <laughs> and I'll have a call. I've been much more mindful about keeping in touch with people from MicroConf. So I've joined a mastermind and I'm, I'm trying to keep in touch with some of the really interesting people and, and some of the, the very fulfilling relationships that I built at MicroConf. I've been trying to schedule weekly and monthly meetings with those people. So I'll, I'll intermix those through the day. And then I have like a meal prep system. So <laughs> I eat my meal prepped food and I end the day journaling. I'll write down everything that I did for the day. And For the last several months, that's loosely been the system and it's just been working fantastically. I feel great about the work that I'm doing. I look back and I can see, oh my gosh, I've meditated every day for the last, you know, 100 days. This is great. And I've done this many push-ups and I've made this much progress on file inbox. So it's working really well for me right now. All right. And it sounded like within your uh, project work as well, there are multiple hats, I think is what Leo said, different roles and like you have different kinds of output for each of the different kinds of work. Would you mind diving into what each of those are and some of the challenges that you face with each one? Yeah, definitely. So the biggest problem that I had, I went directly from college where the professors told me exactly what to do and they gave me an objective number score for how well I was doing. And I went directly from that environment to 
running a company and having to figure it out on my own, which is really hard because there's two hidden layers of work that I wasn't even conscious of in college. There's the layer of deciding what was important for me to be doing. So that was like the decision on the level of deciding what, what subjects I needed to study for my degree. I didn't even think about that. I just signed up for the courses that I had to take. And the second layer was figuring out what I physically needed to be doing to move in that direction. So that would be something like a, a professor would be assigning me homework. They had this direction. They knew that I needed to learn linear algebra. And they had little bite-sized chunks of assignments that felt really good to do and were challenging, but were very easy and straightforward to do. I knew exactly what I needed to do. So those two layers were done for me. I didn't even need to think about them. And being dropped into, you're running your own company, you need to do this on your own now, I got completely lost. I was really good at doing homework and studying for tests. I was really good at being the worker, but I had no idea how to decide what direction to move in. And I was really, really bad at breaking down abstract goals like, ah, uh, you're running a business? Figure out how to do marketing. I didn't know, uh, well, okay, how am I supposed to do that? How, how am I supposed to check out, figure out how to do marketing off, off a checklist? Yeah, it's really hard when it's the things you don't know that you don't know, right? That's the biggest challenge. It is. And it, it took me a long time to even figure out that those were things that I needed to know how to do. That exactly. I, that I didn't know how to do. Yeah. In that environment, what I ended up doing was just whatever seemed like the most interesting thing to be doing in the moment, which for me is usually coding something. So that meant like as soon as I hit a wall and started doing something that was hard or that I didn't like doing, well, I would just start working on something else. So I have this list on my website right now of like 20 projects that I made just because starting a new thing was way sexier to do than uh, if I felt stuck on the thing that I was currently doing. So, okay, I, I don't know how to figure out marketing and I think Facebook ads are a thing, but uh, this dashboard is confusing. So uh, I'll, I'll just make this brand new app. I'll, I'll make a thing that'll turn Markdown into MLA formatted PDFs and I'm going to make that right now. There's so much momentum when you first start off. Like It's so much more exciting when you start something green and like the momentum is just, oh, you can see the improvement. Whereas if you're picking up something that you're in the middle of, it's like really difficult to see that momentum. And there's a lot of weeds and a lot of tangling that you have to untangle to move forward. And I, I totally empathize with that. That early motivation, it's addictive almost. But the long-term success, the way that people have built these huge successful companies within the microconf community is not by just doing the most exciting thing in the moment. It's by doing really boring things very consistently. It's exactly. by building a little piece in the same direction for a really long time. Consistently. Yes. Consistently moving in the same direction is how you get to these huge companies. I was horrible at that. I was really bad at setting those higher level priorities and staying to move in the same direction. So File Inbox was making all of the money in my life. <laughs> That's how I was supporting myself kind of passively. And it was just languishing for years while I was kind of flitting around and, and trying to figure out, oh, well, I, I made this thing by adding Stripe payments to this thing that was already popular that was a side project. So I'll just launch a whole bunch of those and see what happens. But none of those worked because the success from File Inbox came, I think, as a, a bit of serendipity of market timing and, and different things. But I was trying to recreate that serendipity. And that's not a successful way to consistently build business success. So those are the challenges that I was facing, trying to figure out what my professional career was going to be. Thanks for sharing that. So was there like one pivotal moment where you realized that you needed to change something to like start addressing some of those problems you were observing in your own life? Yeah, I was trying to figure my life out. And DB Inbox at the time, it was called DB Inbox. I, I changed the name to File Inbox recently. It was kicking out a solid like $5,000 a month, which is a really comfortable amount of money to live on especially if you don't have to do any work for it. I was just trying to figure out, like, what do I want to do in my life? So I tried living nomadically. That's a really popular thing to do. My wife at the time and I bought and renovated an RV and drove around the country for a year. But I, I felt really restless. I really enjoy making stuff in the process of building software, in the process of building useful things. And doing the nomadic thing was really fun and exciting. Exploring new cities is really fun. But it's only fun for like two weeks. And then I just felt this itch to be building stuff again. I really, that's the long-term enjoyment that I think I get out of life. Building things that are useful for other people. Building bigger things than you can build in just the sprint where you feel motivated to work on it. So in the whole year-long process of driving around the country in the RV, probably the most rewarding part of it for me was renovating it, which was this two-month just work that I was putting into it. Work for me is, it took me a long time to realize this, but I really enjoy work. I really enjoy building stuff. 
So from a personal productivity perspective at this point, I'm getting stuff done, but only when they're really shiny or only if they're like on fire. So I started a bunch of projects without finishing them, sitting on this huge pile of half-finished things. Things like I, I had an idea to build a library of all of the book recommendations that I got. And that turned into this text file of like 80,000 books sorted by the number of recommendations I got. But I never actually read any of the books. I just kept the list. <laughs> I had probably a dozen things like that that I wasn't getting any fulfillment out of them because I wasn't pushing them forward. I, I would have the idea for it and I would make it and then nothing would happen. So I, I had this quote that was just bouncing around in my head for years. Uh, it's from Nathan Berry, who's the founder of ConvertKit, one of these people in the microconf community. And he said that before ConvertKit really took off, it was making like $2,000 a month and it was declining. And he was talking to Heaton Shaw, which is another big person in the microconf community. And Heaton told him that Nathan needed to take ConvertKit seriously or shut it down because what he was doing right now was just silly. He was just flirting with this product. And, and if he wasn't taking it seriously, there was no reason to be working on it. So Nathan decided to double down. And now I just pulled up his dashboard. All of his numbers for his company are, are public. As of right now, he's making $1.35 million a month. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. That was a thought that was bouncing around in my head of like, okay, not necessarily the money. That's not super important. But the concept of like building a thing that's so much bigger than yourself, that's helping the economy to the tune of at least $1.35 million a month, to, to be having that kind of output, to be having that kind of contribution. That's the direction that I want to move towards. I, I tried all these other things and like, this is the thing that I want to do. <laughs> I need to come up with a fun story of like a moment when that happened, but it was probably maybe like a year and a half ago is when I really decided to buckle down and fixed a lot of other things in my life and focused a lot on sleep and got out of a, a few bad relationships and really started taking DB Inbox seriously. And part of that has been completely revamping my productivity strategy into a system that is this engine now for getting things done and moving in the right direction. I think it's really refreshing that you didn't pin it down to just one specific incident that it's a lot of things adding up over a long period of time and then it slowly sinks in because I think that's usually the case. And I think it's a lot of the times happening to people and they don't even realize it. And maybe they even don't get to that epiphany where they realize like something's got to give, something's got to change. And then like they're the one who has to do something about it. So thanks for sharing that. That's cool to hear. I guess I won't make a narrative then if, that it happened in a single moment. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it happened over a, a long period of time. What did you try that didn't work as far as like getting things organized and putting in the effort? Man, so many things. I found out external accountability just does not work for me at all. I think because I'm very low. I took this personality test, the, the big five personality test, and it put me really, really low for agreeableness, which I think is the personality trait that external accountability works for because you, you want to uphold the opinions of other people. Apparently, my personality just doesn't care about the, the opinions of other people. So trying to make my goals public, I had this list for all of 2018 where I published all of my goals and had all the things that I did every day, thinking that like, oh, this external accountability is going to get me moving forward. I'm like, no, I, because I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> if anyone called me out on it, I'd be just like, yeah, I decided not to. <laughs> what do you right, do? Exactly. So that didn't work. I had for a number of, probably five years, I had this kind of homegrown to-do system that I made in Markdown. And that didn't really work because I think this was just another project distraction of like a side project I was building and would let myself get distracted by it. So anytime I went in the system to try to get things done, I would notice five things that were new features that I could build in this system. I think every developer has built their own to-do system. It's, <laughs> Probably. It's like, oh, I'll build my own to-do and my own calendar. And yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's just a distraction. It's just another way to procrastinate. That was kind of a, a sandpit. I tried also working in only Pomodoros which a, a Pomodoro, your listeners probably know, but it's a period of 25 minutes of focused work. So before you set the 25-minute timer, you have to say, okay, this is the thing that I'm working on for the next 25 minutes. If anything else comes up, I'm not going to do it. If I get distracted, if I start working on anything other than my primary task, the Pomodoro doesn't count. You set the timer for 25 minutes, which is a great amount of time because when you have this thought of, oh, I need to check Twitter, I need to check Facebook. Well, 25 minutes isn't that long. You can wait. How much time is left on the timer? 17 minutes? You can wait 17 minutes to check Twitter. Just push that off later. Right, exactly. That had mixed success. There were certain types of tasks that that worked really well for. Like if I had a whole bunch of email that I had to get through, if I'm looking at an inbox that has, you know, 100 emails that I have to deal with, 
that feels like a very insurmountable task. But it's not insurmountable if I say, okay, work on it for 25 minutes. Well, okay, that's a thing I can do. I can work on this for 25 minutes. I might only get through two emails, but I did it. I did the thing, and now I feel good about myself. That was a partial success, but it didn't solve the whole problem. I was kind of setting a direction because I would set the thing that I was going to work on right before the Pomodoro, but I was missing this higher level direction. I didn't know why I was answering emails. I didn't know what the bigger thing was that I was doing. And it also didn't fit for a lot of different types of work. Like a Pomodoro doesn't really work for exercise and a Pomodoro doesn't really work for administrative stuff. It works well for if you have a lot of emails, but if you have to do like a lot of little things, it doesn't work super well. I also was missing a good framework for breaking down tasks of taking a big audacious goal, like, ah, figure out marketing and breaking that down. Because working only in the Pomodoro system, I would be tempted to do something like, say, okay, for the next 25 minutes, figure out marketing. (laughs) Well, that's a little too listless to move in any meaningful direction. I I needed to figure out a way to break that down further. Those are three things that did not work, but kind of worked. One of the things that we've talked about before, it's not just breaking down tasks, but especially for the things you don't know much about, Mm -hmm. you almost want to like break it down into research projects. And then, like, assign a specific amount of time to them. That's usually what I've found helpful. Yeah, that's also a technique that is in my current system of sometimes my next actionable step just looks like research this thing or Google this thing and uh, try to figure out what the potential solutions could be, what the potential scope is. Yeah, that's a really good technique. Nice. I think it's time for the big reveal. So, (laughs) what did you end up landing on that has worked really well for you? Oh, man. So, (laughs) my current system. I named it even. How official is that? My current system, I'm calling Three Hat Productivity. You can check out my blog post about it at threehatproductivity.com. I just started it, so I think I have one or two posts on there right now. But the, the premise is that I separate work into three distinct modes. I can do work as a CEO, I can do work as a manager, and I can do work as a worker. The CEO's job is to come up with new ideas and explore different options and to set the direction. So it's okay for the CEO to come up with the idea of like, okay, you need to figure out marketing. Here's this kind of abstract direction. But I've decided that this is the most important direction to be going on. This is the place where you're going to get the most life fulfillment. The CEO then passes off that direction to the manager. And it's really useful for me to really think about this as three distinct people. I feel kind of schizophrenic describing it, but I really do feel like I'm working in as three different people. Like I have three very separate jobs. I imagine you actually have three physically different hats. (laughs) (laughs) I should do that. That's a cool idea. I'll have to come up with what the different three hats would look like. The manager would take the direction from the CEO, and the manager's only job is to break that down into discrete tasks. The manager doesn't question the direction of the CEO. The manager just takes it and says, okay, great. Figure out marketing. That's the problem that we're trying to solve. What does that look like? How could I break that down into things that I could pass off to a worker? So for marketing, that might look like look through all of your microconf notes for marketing strategies and then compile those into a list and then sort those by the ones that look like they would be the most promising, the highest yield. Or maybe schedule a call with Brian Castle from Audience Ops because that's a new great marketing channel. The worker's job then becomes trivially simple. The worker is given this beautiful checklist of like very easy, actionable skills of, oh, well, look through microconf notes. I can do that. That's easy. I have this list of microconf notes and I'm just going to read through them and take out things that look like marketing strategies. Oh, schedule a call. I can do that. I just go to this website and I type it in and ah, super easy. So by limiting myself to working in these modes, I'm not falling victim to the worker like questioning what work he should be working on. He just does the easiest thing to do, which is the thing that was passed down by the manager, which is the thing that was passed down by the CEO. So in my current system, those three people talk to each other through things. I use Things3, which is great because it's a really nice app. Probably most importantly for me is that I'm not distracted by fiddling with it. I'm not distracted by having the source code to things and trying to fix parts of it. I have gone into that. There's a SQLite database that runs things that I've, I've dipped into a little bit, but I, <laughs> I, I've tried to, to limit myself. So within things, my CEO captures ideas into the inbox and prioritizes projects. So kind of picking the direction by just having a project and, and bubbling that to the very top. And then the manager within things would look at that project and say, okay, this is the goal of the project. I'm going to explode this project into a bunch of really specific actionable steps. The manager creates a bunch of to-dos, and then my worker just goes down that list and and checks stuff off. So some of those tasks 
to make sure that they're really easy for the worker to do are time bound. So I still do kind of use the Pomodoro technique, but it's only for specific types of tasks. So like customer support emails will be a checklist, but it'll say either get to the bottom of the, of the to-dos or work on this for 25 minutes. The goal of the system is every checklist that I'm working on as a worker should feel easy to do. So that's, that's what keeps the whole system flowing. So it's, it's working so well. This is the best system that I've had in my life, and I've been able to really consistently push forward in the most meaningful directions. So it's about thinking each part of that process is a different role, and then trying to make sure that they don't mix with each other, essentially. Like, you don't start picking direction and then working through the tasks based on that direction, but, you know, you have that allocated time to make a list of tasks based on the direction, then you have the allocated time of working through that list of tasks. Does that sound right? Exactly. You got it. You're not questioning the direction as the worker anymore because the, the to-dos are easy. You don't need to question it because you're having fun. It's, it's just you're making meaningful progress. You're not falling victim to the shiny new thing because, okay, well, if, if I think of a shiny new idea, I just capture that and that now flows into the system and I have this way of prioritizing it and I know it's going to get done, but I don't need it to distract me from the next thing that I'm doing. That makes sense. It sounds like pretty fundamental to that, especially in the context of you as an individual are taking on all three of these roles mm-hmm. is the idea of trust that when you're picking the direction as the CEO role, then you're going to do the best job as possible at that. So that when that direction gets handed off to the manager role, you know that whatever that direction is, you know that you did the best. And you also, since it's you, you also have all of the context to know why and you know that you can trust that that is the right direction. Yeah, <laughs> which is not to say that sometimes I do a bad job. <laughs> sometimes I do a bad job as CEO and, and I pick a wrong direction, but sometimes I do a bad job as manager and I give myself this task that's insurmountable to do. As a like psychology technique, I try to be very forgiving of myself. I understand that you know at, in all of these three stages, I can make mistakes and I'm going to want to be giving feedback to myself from different work modes of myself. It's an iterative process. I've been getting better at each of the three roles. Yeah, I like that. I like this analogy and that like a business hierarchy type of structure as well, because you have that. I'm going to go back to the trust again as well. You have all of the context needed. I think that's in a traditional organization. Sometimes that can be the big piece that's missing. Mm. And in your case, even if you falter at some point, you at least have the context of knowing why and you don't have to question your motivations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can trust that my own motivations are in my own self-interest, which (laughs) it's kind of funny. Like I still end up resenting myself. I still end up being like, why did you put this to do on here? This this doesn't make sense. (laughs) You call a meeting. You say, come in here. (laughs) It's just me with three hats and I sit around the table and I jump up between chairs. (laughs) Yeah. Which uh, it's interesting to me that like, that I can still resent myself even though I have this core trust of okay, well, stupid, like you're the person that put this to-do on here. And, you know, I was trying to do things that were in your best interest. I just didn't do it well. I think it's a really good exercise in being compassionate towards myself and in allowing myself to make mistakes and and being okay with sometimes doing a bad job and and improving on it later. This sounds really sweet and humbling at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so bringing this back a little bit, we had talked about some of the uh, challenges that you were trying to address. Mm -hmm. And you had tried some strategies that didn't work, and then you came up with this uh, three-hat productivity approach. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll reiterate the three that I have in some notes here. One was you kept pushing off difficult work. Mm -hmm. There were lots of distractions, and all three of these were a little bit related, but there were lots of distractions coming from new or exciting opportunities or just like ideas that you would have. Yep. And then the third was this uh, constant questioning of priorities. Mm -hmm. So... Do you mind touching on how this uh, three-mode, this three-hat productivity approach addressed some of those? The reason I feel like I kept flitting to whatever worked seemed like the most sexiest in the moment was that I was only in worker mode. So, of course, I'm just going to follow the best work because I'm only working. I want to work. I'm going to follow the path of least resistance and just do the thing that's the most fun or that seems like the most exciting in the moment. And... Within the system, if I'm being a good manager, I can make the most important work also the easiest work to be doing. I have this perfect example of the system working for me a few weeks ago. I was on a call a few weeks ago with one of the co-founders of UserList, which is just this beautiful system for sending out automated email for a a software as a service app. It's amazing. It's, It's the thing I would have built for myself. I highly recommend it. 
And on this call, I was getting a product demo and I was just so excited watching it like, ah, do you have this feature? Oh my gosh, you do. And it's even better than I thought it would be. So right after the demo, I just wanted to drop everything I was doing and spend the rest of the day doing nothing but playing with this API and integrating it into my app. And I did. I dropped everything I was doing. And for 10 minutes, I, I just did like the most obvious thing to do of integrating it and, and pushing it out and getting it done. And then I got to a point where I wasn't sure what to do next. I, I had multiple options I could go through and I wasn't totally sure what the next thing would be. And usually that shininess of the new project would be enough to push me forward to think, okay, well, this is the most exciting thing to be working on. So I don't know, just pick one of them and that's the direction that you'll go in. But while I was doing this, I already had a list of the tasks that I could do to push my main focus, which at the time was making a Google Drive integration. And so that became the easiest thing to do. Working on the thing that was the most important direction for me to be working on implementing Google Drive was easier than it was to work on this shiny new thing of working on the user list API. So by setting up the system so that the most important work to do was also the easiest work to do, I solved this problem of always flitting to the most exciting thing. The work of doing the most important thing wasn't difficult because it was necessarily hard work. Every to-do that I had of making the Google Drive integration was pretty easy. It was like, okay, open this thing and code this little piece of the app. It was, it was fun things. It was stuff that I enjoyed. That most important work was difficult because I hadn't broken down exactly what I needed to get done. I had done zero work as a manager. So that's kind of how the manager in the system has solved some of those problems. By being a good CEO, that also solves the problem of constantly changing direction. A good CEO is not constantly changing priorities. My rule is that I get to think as much as I want to as a CEO about the next important thing to work on. But once I start working on the next project, I can't change it. So once I decided as a CEO, okay, Google Drive integration is the most important thing to be working on. Let's start working on that. I don't get to change that. I only get to change the next thing. And I only get to start working on the next thing when the Google Drive integration is done. There's another great quote from Heaton Shaw. He has a write-up of how damaging his changing direction as an actual CEO of his actual company was. He would, his company called them dropping Heaton bombs. He was notorious in his company for going around to people's desks and saying, oh, I have this great new idea of this new thing you need to work on. Drop everything you're doing and start working on this. Oh, and eventually, super damaging to his company. He has a great write-up on it. I'll send you the link to include in the show notes. But his employees eventually just started ignoring him because he was changing directions so frequently that they couldn't get anything done. They couldn't finish any of the directions. So I allow myself to change what the next thing is, which while I'm working in a project, it'll probably the next project will probably change six or seven times what I think is the next most important thing. But then after I start that next most important thing, I don't get to change it until I'm done. That's solved the problem of constantly changing direction. So as manager or CEO, do you give yourself leeway? Like, for instance, rather than saying when the Google Drive project is done, maybe you get into it like eight hours and you're like just getting totally burnt out on it. And you're like, mm -hmm. this is going nowhere. And even if we get it implemented, it's going to suck. <laughs> Do you give yourself any leeway? Because uh, like, you don't know if something's going to have the momentum that you think it's going to have until you start doing a little bit of deep dive into it, like an API or working on a specific project of some sort. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. So two things to that. The first is I limit the amount of time I can be working on a thing per day. I don't let myself work on it for longer than four hours. Once I hit four hours, I do other things. The second is if I... I'm working on this project and I realize it's going to be a failure. I realize that it's not actually a thing that I need to be working on. I don't trust myself in that moment. That sounds like a thought that a worker is having of he just doesn't want to do the next thing, which is actually a problem with the manager. The manager should be breaking stuff down so that's just easy and fun for the worker to do. So me feeling that feeling of doubt that I don't think this is actually the right direction, I'm very suspicious of. Specifically with the Google Drive integration, that project actually was not the best thing I could have been working on. Retrospectively, I launched it and I was thinking I would have a bunch of users upgrade to this new plan. That totally didn't happen. So, you know, if I could go back retrospectively as the CEO and pick a new direction, I would pick a new direction. That, that was not the best thing that I could have been working on. But that's not a failure of my manager. That's not a failure of my worker. Both of those of my split personalities did a great job. Those were both Super successful. You know, I, I planned out exactly what I needed to do and I launched it and I did the work and that all went great. And my CEO has learned for next time more information of what picking the best next direction actually looks like. So in terms of the system working, it's very important to stay on task to only work on the next thing. Because otherwise, if, if you allow yourself the option of being able to pull out of whatever you're doing and, and work on something else, 
the system breaks down. That's just something that the, the CEO swallows and says, okay, well, I made a mistake and I'll do better next time. And good job, everyone else. That's how I keep the system working. So like now we're kind of getting into distractions because like if you work on something that you don't feel like the momentum going as the worker, right, that you don't feel like it's going anywhere, then that's where distractions start creeping in when you start getting bored or just like sidetracked by a specific challenge. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's interesting how you don't necessarily like deny or prevent the distractions from happening so much as like you kind of store them or you like revisit them later. Could you kind of explain that? Yeah. So as a CEO, you get ideas at random. Sometimes you'll be working on a Google Drive integration as you do. And you get this idea for the next most important thing. Oh my gosh, I should actually be signing up with ConvertKit or to send out better automated emails. And that's the most important thing to be working on. What was I thinking, Google Drive? That's so silly. We need to work <laughs> on this right now. If the only mode of work that you have is getting things done, if there's an emergency, that can be really tempting of feeling these feelings of like, oh my gosh, this is a fire that I didn't even realize was on fire and I need to drop everything and, and move to it. The way that I deal with that is by capturing it immediately. In the moment, you know, I'm, I'm working on the thing that I'm working on and it's very determined by whatever the worker is doing, what the worker's most important thing is. So the way that I deal with that is when I have the idea, I capture it. If I'm on my desktop, I have the keyboard shortcut that I can use to bring up things and I just type it in. It takes three seconds and then it's captured and I trust that it's going to be dealt with, whatever it is. If it's, oh, I should buy a new nose hair trimmer, that would improve my life. I capture it and I can move on to the next thing. It's very freeing because now, because it's in a system that has captured this idea. David Allen talks about this in Getting Things Done, which is a terrible book. I hate that book, but it's got a lot of good information. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels very disorganized. I saw a talk by him and his live talk was just a mess. I think he's a very good corporate consultant, but I have a lot of criticisms of him as an author. So capturing is an idea that I stole from David Allen. And that's how I deal with the distraction of in the moment feeling like I want to work on something else. And then once it's in this trusted system, I'm free to think about other things. I allow myself to forget about it. All right. So you capture things. They go off into some kind of a, a list or a page or some database. Mm -hmm. So do you have a um, process to, like, I guess, read and like groom that list then? And which role is responsible for that? Is that still the CEO? The CEO is responsible for triaging those things. One of the most satisfying things to do with a to-do list is to cut things off of them to realize, ah, no, sir, Shermer, I don't actually need that. Let me just cancel that. So that it's the CEO's job to go through and prioritize it and figure out what actually needs done. The CEO kind of came up with these ideas in the moment of, okay, well, these are potential directions that we could go in. The CEO then goes through the list and figures out what the actual priorities are. And if there's a bunch of related ideas that aren't quite a priority yet, like a bunch of ideas for content marketing or a bunch of ideas for things to research on HREFs. The CEO can kind of group those into a project, not really thinking about what the next action is, but just kind of grouping together a bunch of abstract ideas. So that's the CEO's job. My current habit is once every three days, I'll have a recurring to-do come up, which is just like, hey, triage your inbox. Clear out all the places where you've collected to-dos. I also have an app on my phone that's not things. I wish it was things, but I have an Android phone for other reasons. I take those to-dos from, I think it's Google Keep is the name of that to-do app. So I'll go through every three days and, and triage those and get them in the right projects and prioritize them. And in this process, kind of thinking about what the next most important project is going to be, even several projects down the line, kind of clustering groups of ideas together. And I think the core skill of that is cutting things. There's this great quote from Warren Buffett where he was talking to his pilot about what his pilot's top 25 priorities were. And Warren Buffett said, all right, Circle the five most important priorities from that list and avoid the other 20 at all costs, which is this idea that you can't do everything. When you say yes to doing one thing, you're saying no to literally everything else that you could possibly be doing. So saying no is not unusual. It's not, it's not a thing that you're not already doing. And so it's, it's a very important core skill to be able to decide not only that a specific project is the most important direction to be going on, but to be able to cut to say all of these other projects are not important. This project in particular doesn't even need to be done. It was a cool set of ideas. I'm not saying that you can never ever do this. Maybe <laughs> if you hit the singularity and you get access to the hive mind and you can work on <laughs> everything. Yeah, maybe then you can pick this back up. But 
this is not something that needs to be done in the foreseeable future. We can kind of bury this until we have a lot more bandwidth. Yeah, we did a whole episode on saying no. And I feel like saying no, if somebody were to ask me, what's your number one productivity tip? Mm-hmm. I would honestly say saying no would be at the top of that list. Like <laughs> people cannot cram more than 24 hours in a day. It just doesn't work that way, you know. But you have to say no to something. Usually that would be, I would say, a first step to a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. Which is hard to do because... Because we're mortal and there's only a limited (laughs) amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, To be able to say no to something, you have to solve this really difficult problem, which is like predicting the future. You have to kind of simulate the universe and think, well, is this actually a thing that I don't need to do? It, It feels like almost the safe option to be able to say, well, maybe I'll do it eventually. But if you could predict perfectly, if you knew exactly what the future would look like, and for each next project that you had, you could simulate a perfect universe and think, okay, well, if I did this project, then the universe would look exactly like this. And if I did project B, the universe would look exactly like this. And objectively measuring reality A versus reality B, reality B is better, so I should clearly do reality B and not do A at all. You can't do that. You're kind of working with probabilities and you're working on feelings and trying to predict what you think is going to happen. So it doesn't feel safe to say no because you want to keep as many opportunities open as you can. But if you do that, you end up like the donkey midway between the the water and the hay who dies of hunger and thirst at the same time. (laughs) I've never heard that before. That's really clever. If the donkey could predict the future just a little bit better, the donkey would say, okay, well, if I go for the water first, then I won't be as thirsty. And then I could just go over to the hay. So that would work well. But if I went to the hay first, I wouldn't be as hungry. And then I could go to the water later. But actually, the most important reality is, you know, I would die from thirst before I died of hunger, so I should go to the water first. The donkey can't do that. The donkey can't simulate reality that well. So it's just stuck. It's stuck not wanting to close off any of its options. So it ends up not going anywhere. It ends up just stuck in the same place. It's a difficult problem to solve. And it's one that I feel like I kind of have to resolve myself to that I'm not going to get it right every time. Like picking Google Drive to do as the next most important project was probably the wrong choice. And that's okay. I'm going to make mistakes and it's more important to be following the system because I want to be a donkey that's moving. The donkey that would have gone for the food first and then the water would have been better off than the donkey that was just stuck there not doing anything. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you were already touching a little bit on my next question. It's how you keep that list from continually getting bigger and bigger over time. Are there other strategies besides just removing things that you do? I think a core part of the system that allows me to remove things easier is that I temporally separate the moments of having the idea and prioritizing it and doing it. And so that gives me a lot of opportunities to really evaluate if it's something that I actually need to do. If at three completely separate moments in time, separated by days, I decide, yes, this was a good idea. And yes, this is an important direction to be moving in. And yes, I do actually need to do it. That gives me a pretty high probability that that actually is something that I need to do. Versus if I'm just being reactionary, if I'm just thinking about, oh my gosh, a nose hair trimmer, this is the, I need to order it right now. This is the most important thing for me to do. If I let myself kind of get caught up in that wave, it feels much harder to say, well, actually, no, you don't. You can just use scissors. That's an okay thing to do. So temporally separating has been a really good technique for making it easier to cut things. I don't let myself have an idea to do something and then immediately do it. All right. And so it sounds like another part of your three hat strategy is to not rapidly switch roles as well. Yes. Okay. And do you have a general rule for how quickly you can switch those roles? Is it one time a day for each role or is it something else? The amount of time that I spend in each role and the moments that I spend in it are more dictated by what I feel like I need to do. So the CEO's role is kind of dictated by, do I feel like I'm moving in the wrong direction? Or maybe, do I have this spurt of inspiration? Do I have this great idea that just popped up? So that kind of happens in the moment. That's almost distracting if I wasn't immediately capturing those ideas. The manager usually works at the beginning and end of a day, usually setting what the priorities are going to be, what the specific actions will be for that day. And then I spend most of my time as a worker, and I try to have as much uninterrupted time as a worker as possible. CEO things popping up is more of a distraction that just needs to be captured. And manager work usually pops up if my worker gets stuck, if I'm facing a to-do that I, that I don't know how to do that feels emotionally difficult to finish. The manager might need to step in and do a little bit of work to define that task better. How do you allocate that time? Do you like allocate most of the time, like four hours a day to the worker? Or eight hours a day on two different tasks, and then maybe once a week is the CEO's role. Or yeah, I'm really curious how you break that time down. 
Right now, it doesn't need to be broken down. The system's kind of just working. There have been situations where I felt like I needed to allocate more time to a specific role. So like, if I feel like my options are limited, if I feel like I don't have enough ideas, I can spend some dedicated time as CEO. A habit that I had for a while was every day I would journal 10 ideas. It could just be 10 ideas about anything. That really helped me explore the potential landscape of what I could be doing. And then it got to a point where I had enough ideas. I had some really good ideas. And the most important thing was to break those down into working. When I know I need to work more in the manager role is if I'm looking at a to-do list that doesn't feel easy. If I feel like the to-do list is insurmountable, then I would need to spend more time in a manager role. But right now, it's not heavily structured. It's not scheduled. I aim to spend about four hours a day in worker mode. And then as much time as I need to spend in manager mode to enable that is how much time I spend, which it's not a lot. It's maybe maybe 20 minutes a day. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's a lot. Yeah. It's surprisingly easy. So you, you would say most of your time is easily on the worker stuff. And then when you feel like it's necessary, then it's the manager. And then maybe the CEO stuff is like a few hours a week right now. That's right. Yeah. It's all kind of driven by the worker. Whatever needs to happen for the worker to feel like he's doing easy and fulfilling work. That dictates how much time I spend in, in the manager and CEO roles. That sounds counterintuitive, but it totally makes sense. It makes sense for me. That's what's been working well so far. I also like the idea of incorporating this notion of workers getting to go on a holiday anytime the CEOs are figuring out the new direction for a company. <laughs> I think corporate culture could totally use something like that. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to jump topics a little bit. Before we had started recording, you had also mentioned that Batching your administrative tasks yes. is a huge time saver. So what exactly do you mean by admin tasks? It can be personal, I'm sure it is, but I'm sure a lot of people will also be able to relate to some of the items. And how do you batch them to save that kind of time? So admin tasks are things that aren't primary work. So anything that's not working on my main priority right now, I kind of batch into administrative tasks. And there's some things that leak into that, that I have to be doing every day, like checking email is an administrative task that I kind of have to do every day just to, to push other stuff forward. But anything else that pops up, I push to Saturday. Saturday is my day where I don't do any of my main stuff. I cannot work on my main tasks Saturday or Sunday. And specifically on Saturday, that's a day dedicated to all of this cruft, all of this kimono, as Marie Kondo would call it. So that ends up being <laughs> things like buying stuff if I have the idea for, oh, I need to buy a new water filter. I don't buy it in the moment. I say, okay, well, on Saturday when I'm buying all of my things, that's when I'll buy this water filter. That's also things like financial tracking. As part of this early retirement thing, I, I track my expenses, uh, which takes some work of like downloading CSVs and I have to have all my bank accounts open and I have to enter the system. It's also things like reaching out to people. If there's like a, an introduction that somebody made and I need to email someone, I hope my accountant doesn't listen to this, but I'm looking for a new accountant. And I got a tip from someone it had a recommendation for a new accountant. I have his email address. I, I just need to like send that email. So that's going to happen this Saturday. Also compiling reports about myself. I have a lot of numbers and like statistics about my performance in like a bunch of different areas of my life. Researching information is also a, a type of administrative task. If I have an idea of a new thing that I want to learn about, like ah, electric bikes are a thing. Should I get an electric bike? I'll Google it on Saturday. Also like reading long form articles. During the week, I used to get really distracted pulling up Hacker News. And I changed that to... I get Hacker News digests. And during the week while I'm checking email, I pull out articles that look interesting, that are things that kind of pass my test of, okay, well, this is a thing that I would like to spend time on thinking about. But I don't read it right then. I just queue it up on my iPad. And then on Saturday, I read through them. I, I don't need to spend any time on Hacker News. I have this list of all these links that I'm going to go through. There's two huge benefits that I get from batching all of these administrative tasks. First, by batching together similar tasks, I get them all done faster because there's less transition time. If I wait until Saturday to order all the stuff that I had ideas to buy during the week, I only have to open the Amazon app a single time and check out a single time. I can do all of that together and it happens much faster. Same thing with financial tracking. I already have all of my bank accounts open. I already have the CSVs. I can do like three related tasks at the same time that I need those accounts open for. And the second is, I'm not using this work to procrastinate from my main work during the week. If I have the idea in the middle of working on my Google Drive integration, oh man, I should check Hacker News and read through this article. I don't let myself do that in the moment. I say, okay, if this is actually something that's important, if you actually want to read this article, you can do it on Saturday. That's a great idea. You know, this is an article about setting your 10-year goals. This is probably going to be a, a thing that's going to be worthwhile to you as a person. And if it's still important on Saturday, you can absolutely do it. So in the moment, I spend three seconds capturing that idea. 
and then I can let it go and keep working on my main task, confident that I know that it's going to get it done on Saturday. The only time that there's an exception to this is if there's something that comes up that's a true emergency, if there's something that like actually has to happen right then. When I implemented this rule for myself, I was really surprised at how few actual emergencies I had. There's almost nothing that's actually an emergency. There's almost <laughs> nothing that you actually have to drop everything for to do. When presented with the question of like, is this something that you have to do right now? Or can this wait until Saturday, which is two days from now? The answer is 99.9% of the time, yeah, it can wait till Saturday. Like, I don't need this nose hair trimmer. I've been obsessed with this during this call. <laughs> I just got a nose hair trimmer. It's, it's actually really cool. It's like this little mechanical thing. <laughs> now that when you say nose hair trimmer, you're actually meaning accountant. <laughs> nice. I need one person to do my books and trim my nose hairs. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm preoccupied with right now. Those are the two benefits that I've had from batching admin tasks. Gotcha. So is there any other software you wanted to mention, Christian, before we close out or any other tools you think people should try out? I actually recommend just doing something that works and not spending too much time in the tools. For me especially, I think I use tool research to distract myself, use that as a form of procrastination. If you're on a Mac, use things. It's expensive. I would have spent 100 times more for it than I paid. I think it's like $50. Buy it. It's great. If you're not on a Mac... I think Fantastical is the next best thing that, that works cross-platform. That's all you need. You, fundamentally, the only thing you need is like a way to make lists, a way to make to-dos, and a way to schedule things for yourself in the future. So you can send yourself stuff to say like, okay, this is what I'm going to do on Saturday. It's worth spending two days playing around with Zapier and IFTTT, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> like that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> right, that's, but, but... That's a way to procrastinate. Cool. So... Basically today, it sounds like what we talked about is being able to separate your roles about ideas, about scheduling tasks, and about actually doing those tasks into separate roles and keeping them isolated, both as a way to stay organized, but also to remove distractions. Mm -hmm. And then when you have those distractions, use kind of the GTD method of collecting your ideas in a list rather than just jumping on them right now. And also find ways to batch those tasks based on whether, you know, the context that they're in. You know, for instance, if you're doing accounting, have your banking software ready. Or if you're doing ordering nose hair trimmers, <laughs> you know, do that at a time when you have Amazon open and you could look at all the reviews of nose hair trimmers. I like how you pluralized it. <laughs> that time. I just bought an electric shaver with a uh, nose hair trimmer. So I totally empathize. <laughs> Yeah, does that pretty much cover it? I think you got it, dude, yeah. What's the best way people can get a hold of you? My personal website is at christian.gen.co. It's just my name with dots in it. Or you can go to just gen.co. That'll redirect to en.co. And I've got my Twitter and my email and my Facebook up there. And I love thinking about this problem. I love talking about it. So if there's anyone listening who has some juicy productivity problems, I would love to talk with you. I'm working on a blog of collecting all of my thoughts on this. So any problems that you have, make great blog topics. I would love to write a blog about any problem that any listener is, is having. Cool. Yeah, and you also have a blog for your three-hat productivity technique, right? That's right, yeah. Where can people find that? That is at threehatproductivity.com, either the number three or the word three. Ooh, smart. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Christian. Yeah, thank you so much. Really man. appreciate it. We'd love to hear back about how things go with the three-hat productivity method. Yeah, I'll let you know. And if people want to get a hold of us, Eric, where can they find us? People can find us on social media, at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And at all three of them, it's OK Productive. Thank you so much. And we look forward to talking to you later. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. This was so much fun. Take care.